0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. So PowerPoints, those moments when in, in, in places you wouldn't expect to find them, in places that we're just going through like another day, and God shows up. And everything changes. How many say, God, I want you to show up in my life? How many need some things to shift in another direction? All right. Well, today we're going to look at Moses. Before we do, I want to read Romans eight twenty-eight. Now, I, I want to make sure that you see the, uh, the alignment of the message, the alignment of these words. It's different than what we're most familiar with in the King James translation. Now, I love the King James translation. All oh, my formal theology training is in that translation. Most of the scripture I've memorized is in that translation. But there are some of these uh, other translations that are authorized. The NIV is one of those. There, there's a little difference in the wording that's huge in the meaning. Okay? So let's read this, Romans eight twenty eight NIV. And we know, what do you know today? Come on. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, and he goes another level, who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things, God works, okay? The subject here is God, not things. Now, the King James translation, it says this, we know that all things work together. See the difference in that? The subject is the things, the circumstance, that's really not very comforting. And it's led some people to misunderstand. So, what are we reading? Read it again. We know that what in all things, what happens? God is working. Did that say God designed everything you hit? No. Did that say God made bad things? No. James says every good and perfect gift comes from God. How many hear what I'm saying today? Do you you get that? Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So you don't have to say, I'm sick and God made me sick to teach me something. If you really believe God made you sick, then why are you going to the doctor? If you believe God made you sick, then just stay home and suffer. We don't believe God makes us sick. We don't believe sickness is God's plan, do we? But sometimes it happens in this fallen world. Now in heaven there won't be any sickness because God's order is restored. Why is there a sickness now? It came from the fall of man. People that get sick today, it's not because they sinned, it's because Adam sinned way back there. Are you with me? And the door is open for sickness, disease, crime, disorder, pain. All these things came from sin, from the original sin when Satan was given access to us. God will restore things as he chooses, as he planned when we're gathered with him. But right now, some things happen. Leave that up to Romans eight twenty eight. Now some things happen. Anybody ever had some bad things happen? Anybody ever had some things happen to you because of what other people have done? Anybody ever had the devil do some things to you? Now let's get real honest. Anybody ever had trouble because of some of the things you did? Okay. So here's the good news. No matter who did the things, God can bring something out of that. But he says for those who what? Love him. It didn't say for those that just acknowledge the big guy upstairs. That could be your uncle living upstairs in your house. I don't know. Who's the big guy upstairs? I've always wondered, when somebody's giving a testimony and they can't say Jesus, I'm skeptical. Everybody with me right now? Well, I just want to thank the big guy upstairs. Maybe you got a big fat uncle that lives on the second floor. I don't know who that is. Who's the big guy upstairs? Come on. If you believe in him, say his name. If you're going to give a testimony, say his name. If you're not ashamed of the gospel, say his name. If you can't say Jesus, I'll pray with you. Come on. You need to be able. If he did it, tell who did it. So see what happens when we love him. Did he say we were perfect? Did we say he had earned it? No, he said if we love him. In all things. No matter what the things are. Come on, you need to get this today. Some of you are facing some rough things right now. We're about to see what happens when God steps in. In all things, God works. In all things, God works. Do you know right now in your toughest moment, listen to me, you can't give up because God's working right now. Do you know when you can't see it or feel it or recognize it, God's working right now. You have to understand that. That's why we don't quit. That's why we don't give up. That's why we have faith because it's the substance of things hope for it's the evidence of things I don't see but I have a faith I have a title deed I have a promise that God is working when I don't see he's working that God is in it even when you tried to mess me up even when you tried to tear me down even when you lied to me rejected me broke your vow to me abused me dysfunctioned me I'm not a victim Come on, I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim because no matter what you did, God's going to do something bigger. No matter then what happened, God's going to do something bigger. And that's why I'm going to trust him. We know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. But let's look at this. And called according to his purpose. So see, God loves us. God loves us. And he's working because he's not going to leave you halfway. There's a purpose for your life. There's a reason that you're here. And so we're going to see this. So let's go to Exodus chapter 2. We're we're going to pick up the account of Moses. It's it's an incredible story, pardon me, of restoration, of restoration. Now, before I read this very quickly, you know the setting, the context of of Exodus chapter 2. Uh, Joseph had been sold by his brothers, went down into Egypt. They were trying to get rid of him. But what happened? Say it with me. In all things, (laughs) God was working for his good. His brothers were going to kill him. Come on. That's a bad group of guys, isn't it? And then they said, he's not worth killing. You ever heard that statement? They said, he's not worth killing. Let's sell him as a slave. Make some money off the boy. So they sold him and he goes down. But what they designed to destroy him, God said, I'm going to go to work in the middle of this. And he told his brothers, don't be afraid. I am second in command, and I can execute you today. But what you meant for bad, God meant for good. What you designed to destroy me, God just used it to position me to save this whole region of the world. And so God was working. And so Joseph goes down, and he comes back and brings his father and his family, and there were 70 of them. That came into the nation. I want you to say multiplication. Come on, multiplication. So 70 went in. And now that Pharaoh died. There was Joseph's friend. And another Pharaoh rose to power who didn't know who Joseph was. And we understand from the biblical record that by this time, that group of 70 people had grown to maybe 2 million. Listen, God will bless you in the middle of the hardest moment of your life. See, they were slaves, but they were growing. They didn't have a lot of privileges, but they were multiplying. How many of us understand that God will do something even when the enemy's trying to restrict you, God can increase you? So Pharaoh became worried. He said, there's so many of them. If if our enemies came to fight against us, they might join them. Well, they wouldn't join your enemies if you weren't mistreating them. Okay, so he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start killing every baby boy that's born. Now, Pharaoh wanted to kill babies, listen to me closely, because he saw a threat to his nation, to his plan. He saw it in the flesh. But the devil wanted to kill the babies because he saw a deliverer coming. The devil put it in the heart of Pharaoh to kill the babies because there was something clanging. There was alarm going off in hell. God's going to do something about this. Are you listening to me? Do you know the devil has more faith in God than some people? That go to church every Sunday? The devil said, this isn't going to stay like this too long. These people were serving the Egyptian gods, and now they're crying out to the one true God. They're starting to pray. They're starting to seek God. Anybody listening to me now? They began to get together and pray. They began to cry out to God. And the devil said, I know when God's people pray, God answers the devil said I've got to do something God's moving something's about to happen I'm going to put in the heart of this evil man to kill these baby boys when they're born because because Satan saw a deliverer coming do you know that every time hell sees a deliverer about to be born on this planet he puts out a edict a verdict a hit on the babies of that time do you know that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea that Herod the wicked king the puppet of hell put out a verdict, an edict, an assignment, a hit to kill all the Hebrew babies. Why? Because he, the Herod was threatened by the thought of another king, but Satan wanted a deliverer killed whose name was Jesus. Do you see that? And maybe in our generation before we get into the politics and before we get wrapped up in all the things that men want to work on, we better look down beneath this thing and you better understand people may want to kill babies for all the physical reasons that I don't agree with, but the devil's after this generation because there's an alarm that's gone off in hell like there has before in history that a deliverer is about to come walking on this planet. A generation of young men and women who will preach the gospel. Come on, anybody believe, who are going to deliver this thing, raise it up. See, I'm a 100% for the millennials and the Gen X and the Gen Z because I believe living, breathing, walking on this planet are the generation of men and women that God God is going to use to deliver this ungodly, perverted, perverse culture and bring about hope one more time. And I want to be a part of it if I'm here. He may use the young generation, but there was a Joshua and a Caleb who led them in. So if I'm too young to be that, I'm not too old to be Joshua and Caleb and say, let's go tear this thing up for God. I'm not preaching yet, that's my introduction. (laughs) <laughs> so it's in that setting that we get to Exodus 2. If I don't hurry, I'm not going to get this done. Now watch this. So the edicts given, every baby boy born to these Jewish slaves, you kill him at birth. All right? Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister took, uh, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then, then Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter, the guy who said kill these babies. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrews' babies, she said. She knew whose baby it was. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Look at that girl, come on. His big sister Miriam was watching, and she said, here's my moment. So she walks right up and says, look, You're going to keep this baby. Would you like me to find somebody to take care of She said, I know a lady that could do it. (laughs) Come on. They're going to pay his mother to take care of her son. When the devil said, I'm going to kill him. Now, you can't tell me God can't work no matter what the circumstances are. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and be, he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Let's keep reading. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian. Yes, I'm reading quickly on purpose, Okay. Uh, He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? In other words, as we say today, you're not the boss of me. He said, are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along, and he drove them away. Moses got up and came to the rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, why have you come home so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? He asked his daughter. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. All right? So uh, verse 21, Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help uh, because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. What an amazing account there. So I want you to catch a couple of things here at this point in the narrative. We're heading to a power point. We're about to have an encounter between God and Moses that would restore him in a most unlikely and unexpected place in time. But I wanted you to see how this happened. So here's what we see. Parents, have I got all the parents' attention? Grandparents, they tell us in America today, it's an unprecedented uh, shift. Today, over 40% of the children growing up in America are being raised by their grandparents. Did you know that? 40% of the children are being raised by their grandparents. So parents, grandparents, guardians, I want you to listen to me closely. What do we read about Moses' parents? They knew that Pharaoh said the baby has to die. They knew that if they did not obey him, they would be killed. They knew that their life was at risk, but the Bible says they saw something in this boy. The Bible says the parents were not willing to give in to what the culture was telling them they had to do. There was something about these parents that had faith in God. How many heard what I just said? Their faith in God, listen to what I'm saying, their faith in God released the faithfulness of God. Parents, I'm going to charge you with something today. i want to charge you with something. Are you listening to me? As your pastor, I'm going to charge you. You know today that some of the most incredible uh, and, and incredulous things are trying to be taught in our schools today. Now I want you to listen to me. We have some godly teachers in this church. There are godly teachers in every school. There are godly administrators, godly people in a process. We're going to pray for them next week. What a place they are in. But I want you to know, parents, that the education of your child and the spiritual development of your child is your responsibility. It's your responsibility. People may partner with you, but it's your responsibility. There are things being taught in school today that shouldn't be taught to any human being, much less a child. I don't know if your school system is that happening, but I want to tell you something. You're responsible to find out if it's happening. Are you listening to your pastor? It's not mindlessly send them to school. It's not mindlessly let them go. I'm challenging you to be the kind of parent that Moses' parents were. I'm challenging you to see the call of God on your children. I'm challenging you to do what others aren't willing to do i 'm challenging you to take a step of faith. If you will, you 'll see the faithfulness of God. If they had not taken that step of faith, there would not have been a deliverer named Moses. If they had not taken that step of faith, they would have never seen the faithfulness of God. You will never see god 's faithfulness until He sees your faith. You will never see god 's provision until you trust him. Can you imagine how God can work in your life? What do you want for your children? What kind of young men and women do you want them to become? Are they worth fighting for? I don't mean physically fighting if that were come. I'm talking about fighting on your knees. I'm talking about praying over them. I'm talking about believing in them, trusting God, watching over them, praying over them. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's not someone else's responsibility. And, And I know you say, wow, is this part of your message? It is today. You have the responsibility. And you have access to what they're being taught it's your right and you need to know what's going on because I'm standing here believing for a generation of deliverers who are going to rise up and shift this nation and parents I need you to know that God will be faithful you take that step of faith listen to me and God will provide for you if he has to go over and get the daughter of the man who wants to kill your child and make that turn around and bless you God can do that he's as faithful today as he's ever been is anybody with me on this thing the second thing I want you to understand that we see rattling around us and we're missing, listen to me. Moses was born to be a deliverer. He was born to be a deliverer. <clears throat> there was a purpose in his life. There was a call on his life. God wired him to think the way he thought. He was there for a purpose. Hear me closely. But he misunderstood initially how to fulfill the purpose of God in his life. See, when he saw the injustice, Oh, what was happening to his fellow Hebrews, he said, listen to me, someone has to do something about this. There was something out of order. There was something that was wrong. Listen to me. But you're never going to right a wrong by doing another wrong. We're the people of God. We're not left to the flesh to right the injustices of where we live today. We are men and women of God who have the power of the Holy Spirit, who have the Word of God, who have the hand of God on us. Moses blew it because he tried to fulfill his God-given calling in the strength of a man. Are you with me? There are things that you're passionate about. There are things that are important. There, there are issues, there are callings on your life. You can't do that in your own ability. You must allow the Holy Spirit to work through your life and bring about God's purposes on this Earth. Anybody with me right now? So important that you understand that. It's so important that we win in the spirit. So Moses flees to Midian. He's out of the place of his calling. He gets married. He has a child. He says, I'm an alien. He says, you know, I'm not here. Listen to me. He was there 40 years. 40 years. The Bible says, we read at the end of chapter 2, that, that finally the Israelites began to turn to God. They had been worshiping the idols of Egypt. We know that because when they go into the wilderness, as Moses stays on the mountain too long. What do they do? They made the golden calves and, and the idols of Egypt. And they, that, this was what they knew. But they began to turn to God. And when they began to turn to God, God heard them. How many listen to me today? I wonder what it will take for America to turn to God. I wonder how hard it has to come before this nation begins to fall on its face and turn to God. I wonder how much will take until we turn to God. I wonder how much inroad Satan will make over our children and our grandchildren and our schools and our culture until somebody begins to say, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to pray until, anybody listening to me today, I'm going to trust God until. I'm not going to settle for it. I'm not going to say, this is just the way it's going to be. I'm going to believe for God's way. I'm going to believe for God's word. I'm going to trust him in believing. I'm not going to believe for most of my children to be saved. I'm going to believe all my children to be saved. I'm not just going to say when I hang in here, no. I'm going to overcome by the power of Jesus Christ. When they began to pray, God answered. Now go to chapter 3 and verse 1. Here's the PowerPoint. Moses has been away from his calling. He's been away from what God put him on the world to do, the earth to do, because he tried to do it without God. Forty years he's doing this, tending his father-in-law's sheep. So we begin reading in chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock, look at this, to the far side of the desert. One translation said he was on the back side of the desert. Listen, when you're on the back side of the desert, you're in a bad place. All throughout Scripture, the wilderness of the desert is a place of testing, a place of, of trial. And and after 40 years, what does Moses have to show? He's on the backside of the backside of the desert. He's in nowhere land. So we're reading about it. And and, and he says, but look at this. <laughs> I love this. He's on the backside, on the far side of the desert, after 40 years of, uh, of frustration. But there he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. <laughs> Can I tell you something today? There's a PowerPoint that God has ordained in your life. And you may have been away from the will of God 40 years, but you're not too far. You may have been out of this thing a long time, but it's not been too long. You may have thought there's no way out for me and you've settled and accepted it. It's just, I just missed my moment. Are you listening to me today? I missed my moment. I'm not the age I need to be. Moses was 80. Someone say 80. He was 80 when this thing happened to him. But on the backside of the desert, in the lowest moment of your life, when you've given up on everything else and think it's just not going to happen and settle for this place, you walk right up on the mountain of God. (laughs) God has something planted to remind you that no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, all the things, he's still God. So let's keep reading. So it goes to the mountain of God, verse 2. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why, the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. I want you to understand something. This is amazing to me. That wherever God is, holy ground starts. Wherever you encounter God, it may be on the backside, on the far side of your desert. But if God shows up, it's holy ground. It's holy ground. I remember when we had our television program that they would, uh, they would run it at certain odd times because there was no programming. And, and, and someone told me that this person was away from God and backsliding. They were in a, in a very rough reputation nightclub over in Huntsville. And they were sitting there in this nightclub at 2.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. And they looked up at the television in the nightclub at 2.30 a.m. Sunday morning, and I was preaching the gospel. <laughs> and this person looked up there and said, Dear God, but I'm telling you the truth. Punched the person with them. Said, That's Pastor Sorry preaching in here. I don't know who turned me on the nightclub, but thank you. I will preach in any nightclub, any place, any time. And they punched the person. Listen, it's a true story. Punched a person and said, That's Pastor Sawyer, something's going on. We need to get out of here. An hour later, there was a shooting in that nightclub. I'm going to tell you, God will make holy ground in a nightclub. I hate to say it. It's kind of rough. Honestly, it was a strip club. Sorry. Leave it there, all right? Listen to me. Let's keep going. I'm in on the back side, on the far side, on the sin side on the shouldn't be their side when you're running from God's side when God says I haven't given up on you I know who you are (laughs) he'll put a preacher on a television how that happens and save your life (laughs) see here listen here's the difference in religion and relationship when God does these kind of miracles listen religion keeps running around trying to find where God was See, religion says, if we go out in that desert and find that bush, God might do something for us. Did you hear what I just said? Religion tries to go where God was. Relationship goes where God is. See I don't have to have anything that was that I can meet the God who is. He walks into this thing. Moses has given up. This boy is finished. He even names his children. It's a bad day. I mean Gershom means I'm nowhere I need to be. He had given up. But God says, "Hey Moses, I know who you are. I know where you are. I'm going to make some holy ground. I'm telling you, God is so good, so big, so powerful. He's not afraid of where you're standing right now. He'll walk in the middle of the biggest failure you've ever had and make holy ground because he's God. But I love this. He so, so let's keep reading. Verse 5. Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Would you say this was a PowerPoint? This just might be a divine intersection. In the least place he thought. Let's keep reading. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, come on, watch this. What do we read? Let's, let's say it. Say it with me. Romans 8:28. We know that in all things. God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Watch this. Every PowerPoint has a purpose. Every encounter is something God's doing. So watch. So he says, now that I got your attention, Moses, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. You ready? You ready? Yes, sir. Called according to its purpose. Verse 10. So now you go... <laughs> I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Forty years away from the purpose of his life. Forty years running from the call of God on his life. Forty years he felt like it's too late, I'm disqualified. But God said, I gave a PowerPoint. I did a divine encounter. We had an intersection today because Moses, I put it in your heart to be a deliverer. I saved you at birth to be a deliverer. You had a call on your life while you were in your mother's womb. Is anybody listening to me today? And he said, you've been away from it 40 years, but I am calling you again right now. I'm saying to you today, I'm going to send you back. I'm going to send you back where you failed. Anybody listening to me? I'm going to send you back where you were embarrassed. I'm going to send you back where you thought that was dead because there's a call on your life. Look at this verse in Romans. I want you to see this. Put this up for me. Romans Chapter 12, I believe, I can go to my notes. It is Romans 11, verse 29. You got that for me? Look at this. For God's gifts and his call, leave it up, can never be withdrawn. Did you see that? For God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn. Now, you can run away from that call. But the day you come back, there it is. The day you come back, there it is. Well, Pastor, I around eighty. God's gifts (laughs) and his call. Can never be withdrawn the prodigal son ran away and spent all of daddy's money and wasted it But the day he came back stinking dirty smelling like a pig pen the father ran and grabbed him And he said this he said you go we're gonna celebrate He said get the robe get the shoes get the ring It wasn't just anybody's ring anybody's shoes anybody's robe It was his robe his shoes his ring that had been waiting for him to come back I'm gonna tell you something right now in all things God works for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose and when you step into the purpose of God, God will never withdraw his call off your life he'll restore it, he'll bring it back he'll release it, I would love to see all the gifts and the call on the church of Jesus be released again in this nation is anybody listening to me I want to call you back to your gift, I want to speak into your purpose, I want to say to you it's not too late, you you might have thought God was going to do it this way and it came another way but if God has a purpose and he does, he's never going to withdraw it off your life. How many are thankful that God is faithful to do what he says? Let's go to verse 11. i got to hurry. Come on. There's a there's a PowerPoint happening here. See, see, God says, come on, I'm sending you. And, and, and Moses was like, hallelujah, I've been waiting. No, that's not what happened. Maybe some of you relate to Moses here. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, come on, God. It's me. Who am I? Verse 12. God said, I'll be with you. (laughs) That's the answer. Who who am I? What makes you think I can do this? Come on, God. He said, I'll be there. I'll be there. Watch this. And this will be the sign to you that as I have sent you, when you brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God. Listen, where? On this mountain. Hmm. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what am I going to tell them? I like this. When you say to God, Who am I? You know what God says to you? I am. I am. We say, who am I? God says, I am. That's that's where the Hebrew name we derive, Yahweh. The most common name for God, Yahweh. He says it here, I am Yahweh. Listen to me. This is is a a, a verb, listen, that in the Hebrew, this phrase means action. What, What is this? God was saying to Moses, I want to be known as the God who is present and active. Did you hear what I just said? I want you to tell them I'm the God who is present and he's active. In other words, they're going to say we've been slaves for 100 years. And he said, you tell them I have walked into your slavery. And I am about to roll up my sleeves and go to work. I am Yahweh. I am present and I am active. How many are thankful for a Yahweh God? I am present. I am active. I am with you. I'm God. Come on, I'm almost through. Go to chapter 4 verse 1. Almost through. Look at this with me. Moses was a little slow. Anybody here ever been a little slow? Come on, you just had God talk to you out of a burning bush. You just said, who am I to go? And he said, I am going to go with you. Look at this. We're about to, we're wrapping it up. (laughs) Chapter 4 verse 1. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord didn't appear to you? He was slow. Some of you have been slow. But God says you're worth waiting on. Come on. (laughs) Some of us have been hesitant and fearful. But God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm the God that's present and I'm active. What if they don't believe me? Verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? The staff said, throw it on the ground. You know, it became a snake. I love this. God always starts right where we are. He said, what's in your hand, Moses? Use what's in your hand. Start where you are. Do what you can do. Let's look at this before we conclude. Look at this with me. Isn't it amazing that God will use everything, life, Satan, and people through it, you to kill you, to bless you when the time comes? I want you to understand this. Come on. I, I, I want you to say something out loud. No victims. Come on, say it. No victims. I want you to look at this in Moses' life, this restoration in all things. God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Moses just randomly ran away to Midian. But he ran away to Midian, and for 40 years, he had a hands-on course about how to live in the desert. He was going to use that with 2 million people. And then he's tending sheep. Well, he's going to be the shepherd of the whole house of Israel. And then on the backside, on the far side, on the worst side of the desert, he meets God at Mount Horeb. And God said, don't forget this place because you're coming back someday and so he goes back and we call it Mount Sinai and they're on Mount Sinai in the place where he had a PowerPoint encounter Moses goes to the top of the mountain and there's fire and glory and smoke and he sees God and God writes the Ten Commandments with his finger on a stone everything the devil does to destroy you if you'll submit your life to God God will turn this around This hardship you've been in, God's going to give you strength because you've been through it. This thing that tried to kill you, God's going to help you know if God's for me, who can be against me. The place he tried to destroy you, God will take that place and make it a place where you encounter him. He's the God of restoration. He's the God that will send the Holy Spirit to intersect your life in a place where you never thought it could happen again. He's God. I want to worship Him to join me, and I want you to stand with me today. Moses, (laughs) who said, I'm unqualified. Come on, listen to me. Moses, who said, I can't do it. You read about him at the end of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. It says, never has there been one like Him. Did you hear me? Never has there been one like Him. God will start where you are, at your low point. See, Moses had lost all of his... Are you listening to me? Moses had lost every bit of his self-esteem. Moses had lost every bit of his self-image. He said, they're not going to believe me. I'm a failure. They're not going to believe me. I'm too weak. They're not going to believe me. I abandoned them. They're not going to believe me. I can't get this thing right. I can't even talk good. Do you know that everything that life through at you as a curve, God can turn it into a testimony. God can turn it into a reminder that he's big enough and he's great enough. So today as we are here in this room, I believe this could be holy ground for you. I believe this could be a power point for you. I believe this could be a day where you say, you know, I've been out here in the desert long enough. I've been wandering over here long enough. And maybe we need to just get our eyes off what has been done to us. Maybe we need to stop trying to go back and find where did Moses find God and let you and I find Him right where we are today. That's what God wants to do. That's who God is. Do you know that sometimes I'm going to help you this I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm believing for a revival and awakening in my life, in my family, in this church, in this nation. Listen to me, some people have confused revival with nostalgia. What does that mean? They think the only way you can have revival is sing the song they sang the night I got saved. Have the same red shag carpet in the church when I went to the altar. Have the same bench my grandfather purchased when we built the church. That's not revival. That's nostalgia. We need to stop trying to go back to where God was. And we need to start running to where he is. Are you with me? That's revival. That's awakening. God, I want who you are. God, I, I want a burning bush. I want holy ground. I want to be restored. I'm tired of running, tired of missing. I want you to hear me today. Stop living below what God put you on this planet to do. You may not be Moses, but you're somebody in this thing. Those people that meet and pray, your name may never be celebrated but the prayers you prayed made the breakthrough for the people that gave the testimony mom and dad to raise godly children in this day and time you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life you need the wisdom of God in your life I'm going to tell you something these people that say the gifts of the Holy Spirit don't operate anymore today my God, my God you and a parent today, you better have word of knowledge you better have discerning of spirits you better have the gift of faith You better know what it's like to have an encounter with God. You're going to make this thing happen? Listen, you young guys about to get married, ooh, Jesus. You better learn how to turn that phone off and talk to each other. You better learn how to honor one another. You better learn how to do some things that are going to build a great marriage and build a great life. You need to stop comparing yourself to everybody on social media just showing you their highlight reel of their life. You need to stop letting confused people confuse you. (laughs) You need to get that word. You need to get in that word. You need to say, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to tell you, the people that walk out of your life when God walks in, he's just creating room for God to do something big inside your life. He's just making some room. Just making some room. I found out when you get really right with God, you don't have to run people off. They'll leave (laughs) themselves. You know, I'm up all mold, drinking, swearing, fussing, cussing buddies. When I when I started praying in tongues, they walked out. I mean, I didn't have to say, leave. They were looking for the door. But guess what? Some new ones came walking in the door. Said, so let's go after God. Let's seek God. Let's find God. Where are you today? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you in your journey? have some good news for you. God can restore us. God can restore you. God can reach in this moment. Do you think today is a coincidence? No, no, no. God ordered your steps. God brought us here. I want to encourage you. Just take that step of faith. Just say, God, here's my life. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.